0: Hey, hey, friends. Welcome back. Thanks for joining me, as always, in our second edition of Fasting. All about fasting. Fasting 101 by Sean Miner. Just kidding. But kind of is because I, like I mentioned, I'll do another disclaimer here, but like I mentioned in last week's episode, episode number 21, There is still a lot of unknown information, I feel like, about fasting, and so there might be some slight variances in what people claim or talk about when it comes to fasting. So this is my version. This is what I have determined based on my own experience and the research that I've done. I've done lots of research on everything I could find. Uh, Not a lot of human studies, lots more animal studies, which I prefer human studies, obviously, but also just in my work with uh, Keto Women and Fat-Burning Female Project, what I have found to be the case in all those situations to where I can now learn about fasting and tell you guys. And that's why I'm here with a second episode devoted to fasting. Today, we're gonna be going over all of the benefits of fasting and some of the not so great things or downsides, I guess, to fasting and what we can do about those. If you didn't listen into last week episode 21, I highly recommend you do that. It doesn't necessarily have to be before this one, but definitely go back and listen to that one. Uh, I talk about what fasting means. Uh, some of the tips I have, what types of fasting there are, how to know which one is best for you, all kinds of good stuff. And I share my own personal experience that I've had with fasting and what I do now to get into a fasting schedule. Before we get into this episode and talking more specifically about these benefits, let's just chat here a little bit. So I am currently in Mallorca, Spain for the Low Carb Universe Conference. I took it upon myself to make it into a working vacation. Actually, what I'm trying to do with this trip is to see if I have what it takes to be what's called a digital nomad. So I don't know if anyone's heard of that term. Digital nomad is basically when you can have the ability to work from anywhere, which I have. Uh, you basically travel around. You don't really have a, necessarily a home or anything like that, but you travel around and work, but also get to travel at the same time. Now, I would never get to the point where I didn't have a home, but I do like the idea of being able to travel a little bit more and combine that work with pleasure aspect. So I can work from basically all I need to work is my computer and my mic. And I can do so anywhere in the world. So I want to take advantage of that. And this is the first real trip I've been on that has been a true digital nomad experience. I will be working the entire time. Of course, going to the conference. The conference is five days, I believe, four days maybe. But I'm spending two weeks total in Mallorca. So obviously, I will have a lot of time to do my own thing. And to see if I have this ability to combine the work with pleasure and be able to get the work done that I need to do, but still also be able to experience being in a different culture and country and all that good stuff. This is also my first time going to Europe, so it'll be a first for me there. Definitely my first time traveling alone, not being with anybody at all, besides obviously when I'm at the conference. But other than that, I will be doing everything on my own uh, to getting places to stay, to meeting people, to finding restaurants, to figuring out what else to do, to getting cabs or Ubers or whatever, Find- figuring it all out for myself. So I'm really excited for that. And this will be my first experience to see if that's something I enjoy, which I have a feeling it will be because I'm a little bit independent. So uh, if you'd like to stay up to date on all of my solo Spain digital nomad experience, make sure you're following me over on Instagram at Sean Minor Health. I will be doing a bunch of stories over there, just showing you what I'm up to on a day-to-day basis and any sort of good or bad experiences I have. You all will know over on Instagram stories. Other than that, things are pretty much as planned around here things are going well with the Fat-Burning Female project and getting to know all of these ladies and having them get to know me and my teaching style and what I really want them to learn over the course of the six weeks. Again, just a reminder, if you didn't get into the November class and it's something you're still interested in doing, please just wait a few more months. It'll go by so quickly. It always does. And you can get started in January. So January 8th will be the start of the next class. So don't worry. There's so many other opportunities coming and you can all get into the Fat-Burning Female Project for life when that happens. Okay, let's move on to fasting. Now we're talking about the fasting benefits and I really wanted to take the time to go over this and to really do this right because there are so many benefits to fasting and like I talked about last week, this is something that has not just come around the past few years. This is something that has been around and been a healing tool and used for healing, used for medical purposes, used for religious purposes, used just because it was part of life to not have food readily available, this has been around for a while. So not something new, but I think more and more of these fasting benefits are coming out by the day. Just having the knowledge and having the ability to do a little bit more of this research and testing really shows how beneficial fasting is for our bodies. So let's go over some of these benefits. I think the list is like, I don't know, 20 maybe? Quite a few. I will go into some of them in detail. Some of them are pretty self-explanatory. So these are in no particular order. They're basically just how I listed them. Number one, detoxification. So I really like to think of this as when it's basically giving your body a little bit of a rest and reset every time you don't eat. Now, this happens overnight, every single night when we're in that fasting state of what, 10 to 12 hours, that's going to happen, but will be a prolonged period of time the longer you fast, obviously. Now, I kind of like the analogy of it being a store, say your favorite clothing store. When you go in at the end of the night There's clothes everywhere, nothing's folded right, it's kind of a mess, you can't find the sizes, they're all scattered about and then the store closes and someone at some point during those hours of it being closed restores all of the clothes to their folding position and where they're supposed to be located in the store, gets everything organized and then when it opens back up in the morning, it's perfect again. Kind of think of that as what happens to your bodies when you give it some time of rest between meals. And this, of course, would happen a little bit even between like breakfast and lunch or lunch and dinner, but would even more so happen, obviously, when we are in a true fasted state. So you can assume there's going to be a significant amount of detoxification happening anywhere from 12 to several days of a fast, right? And that's just because we're giving a little bit of a rest. Your, for instance, liver and kidneys, these organs that are specific to detoxification, we're letting them work on detoxification instead of working on all this other stuff that happens when we have to digest food or chew food or think about food. We're just, that little break really helps out your liver quite a bit. Number two, a digestive reset. So this is, again, very self-explanatory, but makes a lot of sense that when you give your body a rest from breaking down food, it's going to be great for your digestive system too to just kind of settle, work on the more important tasks, detox, cleanse, and just restore itself for the next time you have a meal. So the longer that period of time, the more restoration is going to happen and the more rest you can give your digestive system. Number three, a big one, and this is a overarching topic, just overall better hormone balance and production. And when I talk about hormones specifically, I'm talking about insulin, adiponectin, growth hormone, Glucose, which isn't a hormone technically, but is something that has a regulatory effect when we start working on these hormones. So you will have increased insulin sensitivity. So of course, when we have insulin resistance or diabetes or just an overall imbalanced insulin level, that is because of having increased Uh, glucose production and some blood sugar swings or something like that where you're getting really high blood sugar and that causes that increased insulin level that then could lead to insulin resistance. As you don't eat... You regulate your glucose signaling, right? That makes sense that when you don't have a meal, your glucose doesn't really have a reason to elevate and that leads to increased insulin sensitivity over time too. So you start having more response to insulin. You start having a normal insulin level. If you have insulin resistance, you have the potential to reverse that as this all comes into play. You also have an increase in adiponectin, And this is a a hormone that is very hard to say, but it is involved in helping to regulate glucose, which we just talked about, and fatty acid levels. So, being able to release fatty acids into the bloodstream in order to promote ketosis and um, overall fat burning, it will help to do that. So, we increase that when we fast, and that has been shown in studies. You also increase your growth hormone. This plays a huge role in how we metabolize proteins, carbs, and fats. So really growth hormone you can think about in general really works to boost and regulate your metabolism. It also has lipolytic effects, which lipolysis is involved in the release of fatty acids for energy metabolism. So Again, you're working on the metabolic function and specifically in that fat adaptation, fat burning state to where you can use that as fuel. And that all is helped by regulating these hormones involved in that process through fasting. And again, that has all been studied. So overall, those hormone signals, yes, we are having regulated hormones, which is great. But what that really boils down to is better fat metabolism, better metabolism overall, uh, and really working to heal metabolic diseases that you have or you're on the brink of having. So that's really important when we're talking to people that have some of these metabolic diseases like insulin resistance, pre-diabetes, diabetes, all of those that come along with that, increased glucose and insulin. So another big one, this is number four, I think. Maybe I'll just stop Uh, numbering them because it doesn't really matter. And I'm going to get confused as this list continues. So this next one, responsiveness to your leptin signals. And this, like I mentioned last week when I talked about my story with fasting, this was the reason why I chose to start a fasting protocol and it worked. It absolutely worked. I'm forever grateful because I had been dealing with leptin resistance for a long period of time, a couple of years, and this was able to reverse that after trying everything else and nothing working. Fasting was it. And so what happens, I think, in this case is a combination of your leptin, which is a hormone, so this can also go into a hormone signaling benefits it is the hormone responsible for making you feel satisfied during your meal. And when you are kind of bypassing that through this state of fasting, that then down-regulates that signal, so your body takes a break from producing this leptin, and that then increases your sensitivity to leptin. So it increases the signaling process that can happen With your leptin receptors. So, when we actually produce less for a little bit, it gives your leptin receptors a chance to kind of relax and kind of stop taking a beating from all this leptin that's coming in. And they are then more responsive when there is a leptin signal after they've had that break. So, we're giving this whole signaling process a little bit of a break, and then your leptin receptors will start. Uh, with a normal response again. And once you start eating, you will produce leptin. Once you start having these normal meals and your leptin receptors will, will take that information and continue that process of having this normal signaling, this normal cycle happen. I do think it also plays a role just having these anti-inflammatory benefits, which we're going to talk about, to your brain and all of the brain health benefits that come with fasting. I really think that has something to do with it too, especially in someone like me who was just dealing with this immense amount of brain inflammation and just total brain dysfunction. And I was... Through fasting, able to replenish that and get the brain working again, just get all the signaling back up and running the way that it should be. And I think that really helps with leptin responsiveness as well. Um, Whether you're leptin resistant or not, I mean, there's a lot of people that are leptin resistant that don't know it. So, regardless, it's a great tool to use to regulate your leptin signaling, which is part of your metabolic process. One of the roles of leptin is to determine how much energy you keep on your body and obviously when we store energy it's in the form of fat. So leptin is responsible to kind of bridge that and to maintain it. So just another reason why fasting would work to boost and maintain a really good metabolism for you if you're someone that has issues with their metabolism or just wants to keep it nice and strong. Now, on the flip side of that, just going to put it out there right now because I personally don't know and I haven't really seen anybody or heard anybody say that your metabolism continues to stay really strong after you stop fasting for a while. So I don't know if this is just this heightened thing that happens During a fasting regimen, and you have to kind of stay on it in order to continue that success, or if it's something that you go back and a year later when you decide you don't want to fast anymore and you just want to eat three meals a day and hang out in that realm, if your metabolism continues to stay healed and heightened and that kind of thing. So just to keep in mind, I don't know if it continues or if it's a Thing that you have to stay in a fasting schedule to continue that trend. FYI. Okay, moving on. Uh, this is should be a pretty obvious one, but always a great one for us keto women. You get into a deeper state of ketosis when you fast. And I think that's pretty obvious. Uh, One of the ways that you can become keto adapted is through fasting. However, we like to be ketogenic first before we get into a fasted state. But once you are already producing ketones, you get into this fasted state, you will see those ketone readings come up higher because your body is working harder at utilizing energy that it already has on its body since it's not getting any in the form of food intake to keep your energy levels going, keep your body going, keep you feeling good. And that's what ketosis does for us. That's what those ketone bodies do. That's the signaler. So of course, we're going to have more when we're not eating. Moving on, another great side effect, especially for those who are looking to heal their bodies in a specific way, all of these cardiovascular markers are going to improve, such as cholesterol, blood pressure. You will have increased HDL and lowered homocysteine, which is an inflammatory marker specific to the cardiovascular system. So studies actually showed that while the cholesterol in most cases went down if you were someone that had high cholesterol specifically, while that went down during fasting, your HDL went up, which neither good nor bad. I don't like determining uh, your HDL and LDL as good or bad cholesterol, but we do see greater health benefits with a higher sustained level of HDL cholesterol. So that's exciting. Uh, So if you're someone, this gives you a little bit more ammunition. If you're someone that is dealing with any of these cardiovascular diseases or even just signs that that could be something in your future, start now, get them taken care of, get them regulated. Fasting will do that and you won't have to worry about that in the future. Other things that fasting lowers would be your blood sugar, which we know. We just talked about that and how um, that also contributes to regulated leptin signaling. But obviously, you're not eating. So your blood sugar is going to stay pretty steady and um, that will only help the rest of these blood sugar markers and the metabolic diseases associated with that. So again, if you're someone who is dealing with uh, either current metabolic diseases or just don't want that to happen or are showing signs that that could be happening in the future, now's your chance. Get it taken care of, get it regulated, get your health back on track so you won't have to worry about it in the future. Another one, triglycerides. So this is part of the panel that goes along with this cardiovascular system. And although I personally kind of see it almost as a blood sugar marker too. So it's kind of in both of these categories, but you will see a lower level of triglycerides because it's showing basically how your body is managing and utilizing and working through the energy that you do have on your body. So I think that's really important, something we definitely want to always keep in regulation and really keep an eye on and know that fasting will help you get that in a really normal range that you can Probably pretty easily maintain if you have a fasting uh, schedule that you like to do. Moving on, I've already talked about this, but we'll talk about it in more general terms. It reduces inflammation by fasting. So you are reducing tons of inflammation in your body just by not eating. This comes in a couple different ways. First of all, a lot of the inflammation that we deal with is from our food. Believe it or not, even if you are eating the highest quality grass fed, pasture raised, organic, raw diet with all of these amazing foods, there's still some foods that you are reacting to that you don't even know. And it's causing an inflammatory response in your body. So, obviously, by taking out those foods, there we go. We have a much better chance of reducing this infl- inflammation. And, you know, if you're on a pretty standard schedule with that, then you would keep it down. Even when you're adding in some meals, you still are giving your body a little bit of that rest, say by uh, eliminating breakfast. And you're giving that rest period needed to calm down the inflammation from lunch and dinner. So even just that small period of time will really work to reduce your inflammation that's coming specifically from your meals. Now, there's also been research and studies that show that it that fasting actually changes the expression of the genes responsible for an inflammatory response. So it it kind of changes how your body is used to handling, managing, and dealing with inflammation. That's kind of cool because, again, just taking this break from eating is really ramping up some things in your body, one of which is the changing of how you deal with inflammation, Next is this huge topic that is one of my favorite things. I think this is just the coolest thing that our bodies do as just a defense mechanism that I totally love. And that is autophagy. I think most of you, if you've done any research on fasting or heard any podcasts or anything, you know about autophagy and it is just cool. So if you don't know, here's what happens when you are fasting eventually it gets to a point, and we'll talk about the timing of this, that your body tries to start conserving itself. And in that process will work to clean itself out, clean the cells that are dead, dysfunctional, not working, clean those out so that it can prioritize its energy for the good, solid, strong working cells. So it's like this cleanse that happens, a cell cleaning, recycling, moving. Isn't that so cool? So it's a really great way to get rid of these cells that have been damaged or are just not functioning well anymore that may be causing you, you as a person overall, because cells are creating us, to also not function well and to also not feel great and to also have health issues. Getting rid of those will also in turn really improve your health and how you feel. Now, there's been a little bit of talk. I've done a lot of research because I wasn't sure when this happens basically at what stage of fasting this happens and what i have found in the research is that this autophagy happens or increases by 300% after 24 hours of fasting and kind of that's the peak and then after 36 hours of fasting it lowers itself back down so it seems like 24 to 36 hours are the is the best fasting schedule to be on in order to get this heightened autophagy. Now, does that mean you need to do that every single day? No, of course not. Uh, Maybe adding in a 24 to 36 hour fast Once a month or once every three months, maybe kind of with the season change, something like that would be fine because then you're kind of getting that recycling happening with your cells on a regular basis, but not all the time to where you're putting the stress on your body of always being in a fasted state, which could be pretty tough. But that was just something that I found fascinating. I felt the benefits of this actually too. And it's just our bodies are so smart. And I love seeing these things that make sense that of course our bodies would do that to uh, help us along and, and keep us safe and healthy and have enough energy for what it needs to do. So it's just cool to see that happening in fasting. Moving right along, the next one, and of course we have to talk about this, uh, although I think most of you at this point know that I don't want to put a whole lot of uh, time into talking about this, which is weight loss. And the reason why I don't want to put a lot of time into this is because I actually did research on this too in preparation for this podcast because I knew we had to talk about how your weight might change during this fasting period. And um, so the research actually shows that obese men and women lose a significant amount of weight when they adopt a fasting plan. Non-obese men also have results when they begin a fasting protocol. However, non-obese women don't have much change. So there may be a little bit, but there just hasn't been that much change that will happen if you're not obese. Because as I've talked about in all of these podcasts I've been doing, your weight will stay where it needs to stay in order for you to be healthy. And if you don't need to lose weight to be healthy, then fasting, just not eating, isn't going to do that for the long-term. Now, short-term, yeah, probably, but that's water weight. You have a significant change in your electrolyte status, in your sodium-to-water ratio, and that's gonna cause water loss. So you're losing water when you fast, and then when you eat, you're gaining it back. And so a lot of women who are doing this and don't need to lose weight, they're not gonna see this extended period of weight loss. So just want to put that out there. However, if you are someone that needs to get to a healthier weight in order to get healthy, then fasting is going to help you with that significantly. It's probably going to be your best shot at losing the weight that you need to lose in order to get healthy in a quicker way and in a healthy way. Believe it or not, not eating is actually healthy as we're learning by all of these, uh, Pros that we're seeing in this list. I definitely think it's a great tool for people to use that need to lose a significant amount of weight in order to get to this point where they can uh, change their health status. Absolutely. Is it something that you should be doing with weight loss being your only goal? Definitely not. And I want to talk about that. I talked about it a little bit last week, but. I just really think, and this is why I'm going through this list for you all, I really think that you need to have a bigger purpose behind your fasts besides just changing how your body looks. There's a whole list we just went over and I'm going to go over even more as to why you should be considering a fasting protocol and weight loss can be on your list of reasons, but it shouldn't be the only one and it shouldn't be the top one. I'd rather you focus on getting these other results and using these other markers that you can see change. Like for me, it was the leptin. I was testing that with my blood regularly, and I saw the changes, and that really motivated me, but it also proved how this fasting was truly working for me. Give it something else. Give yourself another reason to be trying this out that will be more health-promoting, and not just focusing on how your body looks and weighing yourself every single time you fast and all that stuff because you're going to be disappointed perhaps if you get on the scale and you're only doing that for changing your body because um, it might not happen. So while you're healing these other things that are great, phenomenal things that you are doing internally, if you're only focused externally, you're going to be perhaps put into a negative headspace that you really shouldn't be in. There's no point in doing that. Alrighty, some more great benefits. Speaking of other things that we can focus on, this one's a great one. How about lowering your cancer risk? I mean, hello, don't we all want to focus on that? Here's kind of what happens in your body that makes this a thing. When you fast, Your body produces less IGF-1, which is insulin-like growth factor one. And IGF-1 has been shown as a hormone that helps cancer proliferate in your body. So if we have less, we're not going to have as much chance of developing and having cancer grow. And when I was doing this research, they were able to find that fasting also worked to reduce and eliminate tumors that were in patients that were already dealing with cancer and it was as effective as chemo. Now that that just gave me chills. Just saying that gave me chills. That is fascinating and hugely important information that we now have. Now Does this mean that if you have cancer or you know someone who's going through cancer, that you should tell them to stop treatment and go just fast? No, of course not. But it is something where even at minimum, you could add a fasting protocol to someone that's already going through chemo and really see some significant improvements. Uh, I just found that to be totally fascinating fascinating we'll say and something that I am excited to see more research come out about and interesting to see if more oncologists will take that new information to heart and maybe put it as part of their practice. So hopefully new changes coming out in the cancer world with these studies so keep an eye out for that. Okay Moving on to the one that I've kind of alluded to in the past conversation, uh, this idea about brain health. There are so many ways that fasting actually increases our brain health that I want to kind of go into a little bit more detail and tell you exactly what's happening in there when you fast. So the first thing is that it is very protective for the brain, and this is specific really to aging and what can happen to our brain as we age. And fasting is protecting against that just by kind of um, by protecting the neurons that can get damaged as we age, specifically because of environmental factors or genetic factors. And fasting actually to helps to protect that, keep that from happening in our brains. There's also the brain-derived neurotrophic factor. So brain-derived neurotrophic factor, it encourages the production and development of neurons specifically responsible for increasing our memory, giving us a higher learning potential, giving us better critical thinking, all things that kind of go as we age. And so it's really protective against that because of BDNF, but also just because of uh, the neuron protective quality of fasting. You also have increased cognitive function just overall. So if you are someone that's fasted, you may have noticed that one of the best benefits is how you think more clearly and you have better memory. And you are able to get way more done at work or something because of this increased cognitive function. And what's actually happening is um, there's increased mitochondria in the brain when we fast that is responsible for our cognitive energy. And there's increased synaptic elasticity, which probably means nothing (laughs) to most people including me but when i did some research i was able to find basically what that means is you are having better communication between neurons in your brain when you fast you also have new neurons that you're producing so all of this stuff is basically to say that you are going to have a higher level of learning you're going to reduce your memory issues you're just going to feel smart (laughs) you're gonna feel like you know some stuff and especially so important as we age and just keeping our mental health strong and like I mentioned before just overall reduction and inflammation in the brain which allows for better communication skills within the brain and all those things talking to each other so that we can be functioning humans all of that will increase as well Speaking of aging, let's talk about the anti-aging properties of fasting. When you fast, you lower oxidative stress and damage, which when, as we age, just a natural thing that happens as we age, that means you are reducing your mitochondrial function. And so if we can keep that oxidative stress from happening, or at least minimize it, which fasting will do, then you will continue having normalize mitochondrial health, which will just have an anti-aging effect. Fasting also helps with your skin. And I know a lot of us aging women are concerned about our skin health. That really is going to help mainly because going back to this regulation of glucose and blood sugar handling, that is often one of the biggest issues and why we start seeing Uh, sagging skin, wrinkled skin, drooping skin, all that stuff as we age because it really is coming as a blood sugar response and that excess uh, blood sugar that you have in your body turns into advanced glycation end products or ages, we'll call them, and they stick to these cells of your skin and cause them to become sticky and just not function as well. We really can work on our skin elasticity and kind of getting that stickiness off of our skin cells to get them to uh, rejuvenate and to replenish and recycle and all that stuff, which will keep our skin looking nice and fresh. All right. So I think that gets through all of the, or at least the most fascinating, in my opinion, uh, benefits of fasting. I mean, there's tons more, I'm sure. I'm sure if you are someone who has tried to fast previously, then you know that you will experience some really great benefits from fasting. And so now you're probably thinking, well, of course I'm going to do this. Why would I not? Everyone should be fasting because it's so great for our health. And I agree with you. However, as you learned when you heard about my story last week with fasting, It's not all rosy. You can have some downsides or negative side effects from fasting too, and I want to make sure that we go over those too. So like I said, and we'll keep saying, you have the ability to determine if it's right for you or not. Okay, so let's go through some of those. And I want to start with the biggest, most obvious, glaring one, at least in my opinion, which is stress. Stress response will happen. I mean, just think about it. I think it's pretty obvious that when you don't eat, it is a stressful situation on your body, regardless of whether you are in ketosis or not. Not eating is stressful, right? Being in this state of fasting is going to encourage a stress response in the body. A cortisol response, an adrenaline response, it will happen. And if you are not someone who has this awesome, amazing adrenal health, then that might cause more harm than good to be in this fasted state, creating this stress response in your body. Uh, So if you are someone whose health concern includes adrenal issues, hormonal imbalance in your sex hormones, thyroid imbalance, Those would probably involve having a much more modified or no fasting experience in your life at this time. That doesn't mean it's going to be that way forever. That means that right now you are working on healing that particular piece of the puzzle. And then maybe in three months, six months, a year from now, when you've healed your adrenals and you feel like your cortisol response is regulated, then you can revisit this idea of fasting. And I just want to reiterate again that we all are fasting overnight. We're already getting a lot of these benefits just from having these overnight fasts where we go 12 hours without eating. Um, For many of us, it's often even longer than that. Maybe it's something like 13 or 14 hours every night where you are fasting. And that's great. That's plenty. So please don't think if you are someone who is kind of wrestling with this idea of wanting to fast because you want all of those benefits, but probably deep down knowing that your body isn't ready to handle that stress, then just please reassert. Please reassure yourself that you are getting lots of great benefits just from your overnight fast, and that doesn't mean you can't try out some new fasting schedules in the future. But right now, you have something bigger on your plate, and I really just, um, I just don't think it's worth it. As someone who was dealing with adrenal issues, I wasn't quite back to having a normal adrenal function. When I started my fast and I noticed it, I saw it. Uh, I noticed it in my hair loss. I noticed it in my menstrual cycle irregularities. I noticed it in my fatigue. Also, a big one for me was in sleep disruption, which we'll talk about in a minute. But Having disrupted sleep and waking up in the middle of the night, not being able to get back to sleep, not being able to get to sleep in the first place because you're hungry, those kinds of things are signals and they should be listened to. Don't take those things lightly, especially if you are a woman wanting to keep their adrenal health regular, wanting to keep their adrenal health intact or continue to heal their adrenals. Signs that, and those all are signs. Other ones would probably include. Um, so I hope, I hope I've made that, I hope, I hope I've made my stance on that very clear that this is a stressor on your body. Obviously, the amount of stress is determined based on how long you go without eating, how many meals you skip. So keep that in mind and really, really work into getting into a longer fast. Take the time it needs, take the time your body needs To figure it out, figure out the amount of stress that is going to cause your body to go through that, work up slowly, start with a 13, 14-hour fast a couple times a week, then move up to 15 or 16 a few times a week and just take it from there, take it slow, but just us as women, we don't have the ability to handle this kind of stressor very well. We just don't. I mean, if this was the only stress that we had to worry about in our lives was just not eating every once in a while, then great. But we as women in in this century have extra stressors to deal with that really will take a toll on our lives. And I see it every single day in my practice that It already is, and so adding on another stress just isn't the right time to do that for many of us, and that's completely fine. So just tap into that, see how you're feeling, see how you think your hormones are doing, your adrenal health is doing, and then decide if fasting's right for you. Let's move on to another, this is a very similar situation, but something I want to talk about specifically, and that is The role fasting can have on two more hormones, follicular stimulating hormone and luteinizing hormone, which if you are a lady, you may recognize the names of these. These hormones, which are responsible for allowing you to ovulate and menstruate or carry a child every month. Well, you're not going to be having a baby every month, but you know what I mean. Uh, That is what those hormones are used for and they significantly drop while you are fasting. So keep that in mind and that's something where if you don't have this really strong... um where really women in general shouldn't be fasting for an extended period of time or too often in one month because then you are not going to have this regulating ability for those luteinizing hormone and follicle stimulating hormones, so LH and FSH. So keep that in mind when you are trying to think of a good fasting protocol for yourself. If you're someone who cares about your menstrual cycle, which we all should be for sure, it is the pinnacle to health then keep that in mind and figure out your regimen based on that information. Fasting also can and probably will lower your T3. So if you are someone that is still working on your thyroid health, you may notice a lowering of T3, which is the active thyroid hormone, and an increase in reverse T3. Now, most of the research showed that there was no change in your TSH, your TRH, or your T4, which is the inactive thyroid hormone, and also the two hormones kind of responsible for the communication with your brain in how much hormone you produce and how your thyroid is working for you. So there wasn't much of a change with those. It was just the T3, which is the active form of the thyroid hormone. So keep that in mind. Most people it's not going to be too big of an issue, but if you're someone that does have hypothyroidism already, just something you definitely want to look at and manage and keep track of your numbers if you are going to start fasting and just keep that all in mind. Next one, your gut bugs can proliferate if they're already there. So if you have things like an overgrowth of a pathogenic bacteria or SIBO or candida or a parasite or anything like that, they can and will survive through a fasting protocol. So fasting isn't enough to take care of these gut bugs. You need to also be doing something to actively eradicate them. Uh, Just like us, they are capable of surviving without food. And this is basically just a reminder from me as a functional nutritionist to get these things tested for yourself and get on a protocol for the purpose of eradicating these overgrowths, regardless of what you do with your diet. Whether you go on a healing diet, whether you try fasting or keto or whatever, you also need to get on another protocol and make sure that you are doing that. So just, I just wanted to put that out there in case everyone was thinking, oh, since I'm giving my digestive system a rest, I can also fast and it will get rid of all the stuff I have going on in my gut and that's not how it works, that won't happen. So we need to have an already really good healthy gut in order to continue that health and even increase it when we go into a fast. Next one, disrupted sleep. And this is that what I noticed And why I will never fast overnight again because my sleep really gets affected. Uh, And if you're someone who maybe doesn't sleep super deeply or maybe would find this stressful, which we all will because like I just mentioned, it is a stress on your body, then there is a really good chance you're not going to sleep well if you are trying to do an overnight more than say a 24-hour fast. So again... If you're trying that, I would really recommend either not or working up to it. So stay back a little lower, do a 16-hour fast or a 20-hour fast if you really want to and save those longer fasts for something that is really, really needing to be healed because your sleep is going to be disrupted. Whether you even notice it or not, you just will not be able to get into that deeper level of sleep that you do if you are fed. So keep that in mind. Next two, these kind of go together in a way which more so come with the mental component of fasting, which is when you're done fasting, you get to feast. And I've seen this in a lot of women, actually, especially that it stimulates their need or desire to binge. So if you are someone that has a past of binge eating and is it's resolved, then fasting beyond 16, 18 hours is probably not going to be the best thing for you because it's going to stimulate that tendency to binge once you can eat. I was noticing this too where it would come time to eat after 36 hours of not eating. And I would just all of a sudden go to town, which I have mentioned, you really do need to feast when it's time to eat. You really do need to eat those nutrients. But I was choosing things that weren't nutrient dense. And it's just totally not in my personality to do that anymore. It's just not in my life. uh, Because I genuinely do not want things like that on a regular, normal basis. But these fasts were stimulating that desire more than I ever have had in in so many years. And I did really notice that. And I know many women who have experienced that too. So keep that in mind too. And if that happens, just reduce your fasts. Reduce how often you're doing them and reduce how long they are. That's all it takes to where you get to a point that when it's time to eat, you just want to eat a normal, good, high-quality, nutrient-dense meal and not eat an entire box of cookies or carton of ice cream or something like that. And then this one goes along with it, which is food obsession. So then this gets to a point where when you're not eating, all you can think about is food. When you are eating, all you can think about is food. And you're just in this constant spiral of always thinking about food, which when you are, as we know, as being keto ladies, when you're in ketosis, that stops. That really ends. And if it gets to a point where you're doing a fasting protocol... And it starts to get to where all you're thinking about is food and when you can eat next and what your meal is going to be and how it's going to taste and what you're going to put on top of it and then what your meal after that is going to be. And just no, if it gets to that point, no, not worth it. And that is really something that can be super damaging just to our psyche. And it's not worth it. So um, again, dial back your amount of fasts and or your timing of fasts and you'll find that place where you can do a fast occasionally and not be obsessive. Okay, I think that's it. The only other thing that I want to mention is that as you can see, everything that I talked about, especially with the benefits of fasting Those also, many of them are overlapping with ketosis. So you can get these same benefits with a ketogenic diet and not have to go the fasting route. So keep that in mind that it's not like you do this or nothing. It's you're already, most of you, those of you that are already doing a ketogenic diet and producing ketones are already getting a lot of these benefits just by producing ketones. So I do wanna make that clear that it is not necessary to also include fasting and as you can see over the past two episodes it is something that is has research has some really great things but is not needed and that's what I really want to get through to you all and I know I said this last week but I'm going to say it again because it deserves repeating you have to do you you have to figure out if fasting is right for you at all if it's something that you want to include, if it's something that your body responds to and likes or doesn't like, how long you should be fasting, how often you should be fasting. That's all something that nobody else can tell you but you. And if you decide that you don't want to at all, that's awesome too. I went months without fasting at all and I felt great. And then I got to a point where I thought I would try again and now I have found what works for me and I still feel just as great. So, You can go in and out, you can change things up, you can do more, you can do less. It's all about experimentation for you and now you have the resources that you need to know why you're doing it. So pick a reason that is really important to you beyond body composition. Pick something else. There's got to be something else. If you're just looking to do this, because you want to lose 5 pounds, 10 pounds, 20 pounds, thirty pounds, whatever, you're going to be probably a little bit disappointed. And I still, I don't know. And I know there's talk out there. I don't know if there's a whole lot of research out there to see what happens to your metabolic state long-term from fasting, especially these longer fasts. So, We don't know that information yet. And so if you're going into it with only that sole purpose, you might be disappointed in a year or two years when you gain it back. So keep that in mind and do it with another idea, another goal in mind that does not make you check the scale every day to see how it's working for you. If you have any more questions, if if any of this talk brought up some more questions you have about fasting, or maybe I can do some case studies on a fasting protocol that you have. If any of that is sounds interesting to you, let me know, send me an an email at info at ketoforwomen show.com, and I will look at doing something like that in the future and answering your questions as well. Of course, like I've mentioned time and time again now, this is just kind of a very basic understanding of fasting and how you can add it into your keto lifestyle, this is not the end-all be-all of everything. That would take probably 10 episodes to get through all of it and not something I'm going to do because I want to go back to talking about actually eating because I think that's way more fun to talk about. But I did want to put this out there so that you have this as a reference and something you can start considering. But I'm always a fan of eating. When in doubt, just eat. Eat awesome, nice, nutrient dense foods and enjoy every moment of it. And it's always going to do you well. And just a reminder, any other questions you have about anything keto-related, specifically for women, also email those to info at and we will get to those soon. Next week, I have a great guest. You guys are going to love hearing, and then I will be talking to you from the Low Carb Universe Conference. I'm going to set up my mic in my hotel room as soon as I hear these talks and relay the information to you. I'm very excited for that. Of course, I'll also give you some ideas to how my travel is going, but looking forward to that. So thank you so much, everyone, for joining me and learning more about fasting. And I'll talk to you in a few weeks from Mallorca, Spain. Hey, lady. Do you want to make sure that you are doing the ketogenic diet the right way for you? Do you want to make sure you're getting all of those amazing benefits that come with producing ketones and not putting any extra stress on your body? Then head to my website and check out the Fat-Burning Female Project. We have a new class starting soon and I'd love to have you be a part of it. Head to bit.ly slash that's bit.ly slash fatburningfemale and make sure to sign up to get a notification of when the next class will be. Can't wait to see you there.